0: Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. This podcast is a bar crawl around America to find out what real people around the country are saying about hot political issues and culture. I'm David Kochel, longtime political consultant and veteran of six presidential campaigns.
1: And I'm Miranda Kathleen Parham, the producer of this year podcast, a veteran of zero presidential campaigns. But I do love whiskey.
0: We all love whiskey, Miranda. Rob needed a break from me after four long weeks of podcasting. So this week, Miranda and I will interview a bartender in a different U.S. city to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture.
1: Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons and therefore the pulse of America, real America. When David and Rob fly into a city and want to know what's on people's minds about politics, culture, or pocketbooks, they find a bartender.
0: To kick things off, we'll find out what drink the locals are ordering, get the rest Knock back a few while we chat with our guests and you can find the recipes for each week's cocktail in the show notes. And I can tell you some of these are amazing.
1: If you decide to make this week's signature cocktail at home, please share a pic on Instagram or tweet about it with the hashtag #HighballPodcast.
0: And if you're a bartender or you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email highballpolitics at gmail.com with the name of the bartender and the bar and why they'd be perfect for our show. Today, we're talking with Joe Ariano, who bartends at Harwood Tavern in Dallas, Texas.
1: But before we chat with Joe, let's get a bit of context on what's been going on in the news and why Texas is very important right now to what's going on in America. So I earned my bachelor's degree from Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. But while I was there, I was much more focused on partying than on politics. However, I do know that Laura Bush is my fellow SMU alum, which is why SMU is home to George W. Bush's presidential library. And even though the SMU neighborhood of Highland Park had that conservative lean, Dallas as a whole, especially downtown and near the arts district, seemed like a blue dot in the otherwise red state of Texas. David, confirm or deny, anything I just said.
0: (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. Dallas is a blue dot and a red state. It's interesting because you think about the most diverse states in the country, most of them are democratic states. Texas has actually the largest black population in the country. It has the second largest Latino population in the country and the third largest Asian American population. It is the fifth most diverse state in the country, Hawaii, California, Maryland, Nevada, and Texas. And yet it's the only one of those states that regularly elects Republicans and not Democrats. And why is that? Well, the reason is there are 3 million rural voters. They vote about 80% Republican. You got a lot of kind of small and mid-sized towns dotting the landscape in Texas. Most of those are Republican as well. So Democratic cities like Houston and Dallas, although they're huge cities and they're very important politically, they're important to the culture, there just aren't enough people in those cities to overtake the Republican wave that happens out in rural Texas. And there are just, you know, there are so many voters out there voting Republican that even, you know, large cities like Dallas and Houston can't compete with those rural Republican votes.
1: No, the numbers are definitely stacked against them. Let's bring on our guest. He's actually my former coworker, Joe Ariano, who bartends at Harwood Tavern in Dallas, Texas. Well, today's guest actually helped me get my TABC certification before I could even legally drink. This was back when I was a hostess and he was the bartender at Sambuca in Uptown Dallas, which I don't think is there anymore. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Glad Thank to Thank you for being here.
0: Joe, thanks for joining us here in Dallas. You're at the Harwood Tavern. First of all, we like to get a scene setting here. Tell us about Harwood Tavern, where it's located in Dallas, and kind of how you got started at this bar.
2: Harwood Tavern is located right in the heart of downtown, right behind the Statler Hotel. I actually came on about five years ago I started this concept for a sports bar. We had another concept in, in between and I felt the direction for downtown was a neighborhood sports bar that needed to connect downtown. Downtown has a disconnect with its bars. before I took it over. There's a lot of neighborhood bars, but not a sports bar that made you feel like you were at home. So the owner of Green Door Public House, Ken Rothman, owns another concept right down the street, which I opened up eight years ago. And he needed somebody to spearhead a project for him to help out this bar. I dove right in. It uh, gave me an opportunity to put my own spin on things that i always wanted to do to incorporate the idea of a bar away from home that feels like home.
1: I love the idea of the neighborhood sports bar, especially there in the middle of downtown. So tell us about the atmosphere. What's the decor? What's the price point, the hours?
2: So the decor was actually a great idea by Donegan Games, my operations manager. Dallas Morning News is right around the corner. They're inside the Stout Hotel on the bottom floor. And we deal with the advertisement and media company called Medium Giant, and they donated, like you see one of the original ones behind me, but they reprinted. All the great sporting events that have happened in the city of Dallas, from the Byron Nelson, the Dallas Cowboys Championships, the Mavericks, starting with retirement. So we have the decor all the way around the restaurant. We have a lot of sports memorabilia, mainly all NFL flags for the most part. And the only flag we always say does not fly in Dallas, the Philadelphia Eagles flag. (laughs) That flag will never fly in this bar.
0: What, not the New York Giants? You'd fly a New York oh, Giants? Oh,
2: yeah, they're, they're there. I mean, they give money to somebody for $92 million guaranteed, Daniel Jones. <laughs> take that. So, but the one that we always say Eagles don't fly here, but everything else is actually allowed. So we're good with that. But as far as the price point, I mean, we are a small business company, so we do try to compete in the food department. And with all the prices getting higher, we have to compete. So prices have gotten higher around the city as well as the United States. So we try to compete on that, but we do have a great happy hour, which makes it balance out, you know, our draft beer being on special, domestics as well, our house liquor and our house wine. So it's comfortable. The one gift that connects all of us is Dallas is a no income state tax. So we have so many different states that come through here. I mean, we host the Carolina Panthers. I mean, that's just a Carolina fans that live in Dallas. So once you have a bar that you can call home, I mean, we have Chicago upstairs, New York, everybody wants to come down and connect. So that's my whole thing between the price point and the food and drinks. It's not high dollar it's blue collar. So that's what makes uh, this neighborhood sports bar work. Because they're not looking to be gouged or impressed, they just want to be consistent, and that's what we do with our service, our food, and our clientele base. For the most part, it's just consistent. It's always right.
0: Yeah, a lot of big city downtowns have you know expense account restaurants, and you know it's a lot of business travelers, that sort of thing. So you're really going for downtown residents who you know live in condos, apartments, and that sort of thing. I love the idea of that. We always do a cocktail. To start off this podcast now, we're taping in the morning on a Wednesday today, so I can't really, (laughs) I can't drink one with you, but tell us what your craft cocktail is today. We'll get it out in the show notes so that people can make it, enjoy it. Tell us what you've got going.
2: This is the cucumber cocktail, or as we call it bartenders, the cucumber lemon drop that is made with lime. Same concept. It's pearl cucumber vodka, triple sec, fresh lime juice. We always fresh squeeze here and simple syrup. Shaken, and then we put this in the coop, but on the rim, it is chamoy and tahini. Tahini is a tangy chili powder that doesn't have an actual bite, but actually is tangy enough to give it enough zest. So we do it in shot, this is in the coop, and we do it on the rocks. So people call it the cucumber cocktail, or in Spanish, el pepino.
1: That Tex-Mex
2: vibe. So we've been doing it for years, and everybody's taking their take on it, but the quality has to be fresh cucumber and fresh lime. So that's what always makes the extra.
0: It looks fantastic. I'm going to make one of those tonight. I've got some tahini on hand. So for sure, we're going to be trying that out tonight.
1: Joe, will you tell us a little bit about who is coming into your bar? What lines of work are they in? It's
2: every kind of work. I went to University of North Texas in Benton. We have a UNT law school, three blocks from the bar. So the past couple of years we've been graduating UNC law students. So we are the hangout for the UNC law students. A couple of friends of mine who live in the building actually graduated a couple of years ago. They frequent here a lot. Since over the years, Texas is an easier state to live in. I mean, we've had Chicago who lives upstairs, has his own branded company, a couple of Brooklyn people, my concierge who lives in the building. He's from the Bronx. He's at the Indigo right around the corner. It's a melting pot of people from everywhere in the United States. I mean, anybody and Everybody, since we're a service industry bar, we cater to a very heavy amount of bartenders, servers, bouncers throughout the city. Big family following, of course, for me. I have family in Garland and Grand Prairie, so at any time I could have a family reunion. Since I have so many friends throughout the I mean, college kids from my high school kids. Oh, and we have so many pub crawls. We have one that we've been booking for years called Haunted Ghost Tours. Apparently, our bar is haunted. What? So, yes. This- yeah. Tell us about it. So between Green Door and Harwood, this thing was built in 1932. It used to be the Lost Shark gas loss where you paid your gas bill back in the day. But it's solid walls. This is solid. I mean, we have to actually put like studs in just to actually hang some of the stuff up. We have cameras everywhere. My first year I was here before we had enough employees, I had to shut down the alarm system and we have to lock the door from the inside of the apartment complex. So the alarm tells when all the doors are locked. Well, I go back to the alarm system, bad door, not locked. So I check it again. It was unlocked. Oh. I lock it again. Alarm system said the same thing. Freaked me out. And then right around 3 o'clock in the morning, the ice machine drops ice and it scared the crap out (laughs) of it. Wow. We also have a shelf back here. We actually have the camera footage where a bottle jumps off the second shelf and lands on the ground in the middle of my ship.
1: Okay, that's what I would walk out of the (laughs) bar, never come back.
2: The way our bar is set up, there's levels and shelves. And as science goes, if the bottle jumps off, it should hit another bottle in front. And we have an ice cooler in front it shouldn't hit that. Clear jump clear jump off the actual second shelf so we actually like telling that story the magic bottle i warned you
0: this is a show about politics highball politics we don't get into big punditry here but fascinating week this week in politics you can't turn on cable news you can't look up the new york times washington post politico website without seeing the impending potential indictment of the former president donald trump it's all anybody in politics can talk about. I was actually on a big podcast yesterday talking about this. How much is that coming into the bar right now? How much are your patrons paying attention to this stuff? Because in politics, this is the whole thing. We can, all we can talk about now, Trump, he's back in the news, top of the fold, every newspaper in the country, potential Trump indictment. What are they saying?
2: Well, in Dallas, I mean, it's the current thing. People actually more of a joke the punchline nowadays. It's like your Sunday morning comic. He was in every single comic strip. He was, what is he doing now? What is he up to now? What is his new hijinks for the week? But now I think he's lost his own. People aren't as supportive. They see he's got an angle or he's like a shyster. So what is this guy up to now? It's one of those, you know, water cooler talks. Do you know what he's doing now? And then laugh about it, but it's literally passed on quickly.
0: Is it more entertainment now or is it actually about you know, who's going to lead the country, run the country, because these are serious things. Politics, obviously, you know, has a lot to do with whether or not your bar can be open during COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. what your tax level is, you know, regulations that impact how you do your business, you know, and these things are all determined by people who get elected in politics. And here we've got, you know, the former president who's at the top of the news, but it has nothing to do with how you live your life, run your business and and that sort of thing. So are we just watching
2: now politics as a spectator sport? Is that what this is turning into with? The people coming in from different states, you figure that everybody that comes in has an idea. I mean, they're not being just fed information. You know, they already have what they feel about Trump. I think we've all had an approach now where we understand that Trump has this tendency to just try to make a circus out of everything. Most of our clients and our guests here, they're aware of what his tactics are. And we actually feel like it's like the NFL draft. You want him to go to a crappy team, so you want him to be arrested. You want him to be seen as a scapegoat and lose ground to be a political figure. I mean, I think it's hilarious. I, I can't wait till he has to turn himself in. It's just a knock against him. It, it can't help him.
0: At a bar as diverse as yours, you've got Trump supporters in there. You've got Republicans in there. What are they saying? Are they watching this with interest as well? or How you interpret how they're processing all this?
2: I just think they've lost the power. I mean, we rarely, rarely see make america great again hats we don't see as much we are a red state but like i said we have so many people from other states they're like blooms i was just talking to my friend. it may be a red state but in the metropolitan area you see a lot of blue spots within cities big cities i think you won't see as much for the support as you do in the outer suburbs you know in the east texas west texas south texas but in the metropolitan area you see a lot of blue spots so Not as much support for them within downtown areas that I have seen.
1: Yeah. And it's not like the Stormy Daniels stuff is new information. It's shining a light on what makes people shy away from Trump, because we know that he does these kinds of seedy things. So it's just kind of a reminder. But at the same time, it's like, okay, can we move on? Like, Can we move past this?
2: But it's actually helping out Stormy Daniels right now, because when's the last time she was in the public eye since the last time he ran for office?
0: Selling a lot of merch right now. <laughs> no doubt about that. So okay, let's let's talk about Biden. How's he doing? How do people view him? Obviously he had his eightieth birthday a while back. A lot of talk about, you know, does he still have it his age and, and, and that sort of thing? What's the bar talking about when it comes to
2: President Biden? It's like the sleepy grandpa on the couch, you know. What is he gonna do? Is he gonna get up? Is he gonna wake up? And it's tough, you know. You have one president who was always in your face, another one which you just don't think about it until somebody brings them up in a conversation. I did have one guest say, y'all voted for him, this is your guy. And I'm like, I mean, what is this guy doing so much as drastic as what uh, Trump did? But it's more of the sleepy president syndrome. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's old pretty much what everybody else is saying. They need new blood, young blood, somebody that's going to have a little more fire in the belly. So that's what we get around the, around the bar. They're just not happy. That needs not as attentive, I guess. That's pretty much the word I
0: want to say is attentive. So on the one hand, people got tired of Trump in your face every minute on the news. On the other hand, Sleepy Joe, not around. Okay, so we got a very historic vice president, first woman, first black woman to be vice president. What do people think about her, the job she's doing, you know, with an aging president? You know, the actuarial tables don't always look so good. Do people think she can lead? Are Democrats comfortable with her as a successor to this president? What do people
2: talk about? I think that one is a intriguing person because it hits on two different levels. You have the minorities who would actually like to see that in place, and as well as a woman. I mean, it actually has uh, two different angles that you actually would be excited about. And she's actually not that old. So you have an opportunity for something different. It couldn't hurt what's going on anyways. It's just putting another wrinkle on it. And I actually think that'd be a great idea. I think a lot of my guests, because like I said, it's multicultural down here. It's not just one demographic. So when you get that in the bar, you don't have a lot of naysayers. I mean, this this generation of millennials and all these different activists. I think there would be a great opportunity for her and, as a whole.
0: Interesting. We had a conversation last week where there were concerns that she had been a prosecutor. You know, a lot of progressives don't like the fact that she was a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're in a big city. Crime is, I'm sure, an issue in city politics. Anybody ever talk about that? I
2: just talking about it the other day so with crime we've actually in the downtown area itself we actually have downtown extra security we have bicycle cops we have patrolling officers outside of the police force who are part of the police force and we actually call them for any small disputes our biggest trouble right now is in our deep alamary the the night crew in the weekend uh, It can get pretty crazy down there past midnight yeah there's always something going on in deep as far as downtown, the last seven years, we've actually decreased crime in downtown because of the actual help we've had. But it's still an issue. It's not without saying any part of the United States doesn't have its own crime. Fort Worth itself, West 7th Street has a very big uprising in crime as well. Sometimes Deep Ellum and Fort Worth, West 7th, go back and forth for one and two as the most hotspots for the Metroplex. But as far as downtown, we're working on it. And the crime definitely needs to cease. But it seems like it's in an
1: upswing more than anything in all United States. Does that affect your bar at all? Like, have you had any crime come near your establishment? We've curtailed it for the most part because
2: I do have a lot of police officers just to say hi to pick up to go food. And we take care of our boys in blue and our women in blue, as well as our firefighters. We have a frequent flow of them, so we know who they are. And, you know, if we ever have any problems. My first year, the, uh, the homeless were a huge problem with a lot of the crime. They would camp out on my patio, bring the furniture in. We've had a couple of incidents here where there was a small break-in, but nothing was taken. We did catch these guys on camera one time, and they thought we were going to steal liquor bottles. The went off. They left the entire liquor on the floor. In my five years, that's two incidents. But for the most part, the crime rate is usually focused in Debellum. But as far as what we had, there was the homeless. I mean, there is not any uh, setup. They do have a homeless shelter, but the biggest one is when they have mental instability, and they don't have that for the city per se, as a program. Most of them have actually gone away. They've shut down one of the soup kitchens right around the corner by the church, but they're more, mostly located in downtown areas for us.
1: And for reference, Deep Elm is just east of downtown?
2: Yeah, hey, uh, six minutes east of downtown. Elm, Maine, and Commerce all run parallel to Deep Ellum, and that's uh, where Deep Elm actually subsides. So, yeah,
1: You mentioned earlier that you've been trying to keep your prices steady even though inflation's been pretty aggressive. mm mm-hmm. Have your patrons noticed that prices are increasing? Do they complain about the economy, inflation, that kind of stuff?
2: Yes, my staff knows they make sure that there is a price increase in food. We do watch the market to make sure that when wings were at one point at a good price to sell and wings, buffalo wings have skyrocketed. So yeah, I actually had a, a lady complain last night about our soup being expensive. And I said, well, we all small business trying to compete with Hooters, you know, the bigger sports bars, you know, your Frankie, your happiest hour. So for the food providers, well, we try to make it up by having a solid happy hour. And they do notice, but the quality of the food has always been done well. So they come back, they know that they're getting a solid product and we're honest about it. So as long as you're honest and know they understand and they like knowing that small businesses can thrive in a big market like this one and succeed. And they want to succeed because they want to be able to call this bar home.
0: So if you got people complaining about prices going up, who do they blame for that? Is it just somebody out there that they don't know where are they lay the blame?
2: Oh, every time the government, they'll say, you know, it's like the old 70s. They call it the man, the government, Biden, anybody who's in office, that's what they're blaming. And that's when you get the finger pointers. And that comes up rarely, but you will hear, you will hear it once in a while. Somebody saying, well, the government you voted for. You know, that's why it's expensive.
1: Who do you think would win a presidential election in your bar if they could elect anyone into office? <laughs>
2: wow! That's like trying to figure out who the best NBA player in the world was. I mean, there's Beto, there's Governor Abbott. Name has been passed around.
1: You mentioned a singer, Kinky Friedman. Yeah, Kinky, Kinky Friedman. Med. Yeah. yeah.
0: The modern-day Will Rogers, yeah, he was quite the fixture in Texas. Didn't he run for governor some years back? Yeah,
2: I was going to UNT in Denton, and he had a big push in Denton. That was his home base, and that's where he started coming out with. I mean, he had his own tequila also, so <laughs> hey, he was he was pushing. His signs were everywhere. Oh, Tinky, get Tinky. was a clever boy, but uh, yeah, that, I remember him very well. I mean, you had people like that. What is it, Body Ventura? Was it Minnesota? Just the body, yeah, the body. So you've had people actually win with their angles and their celebrity, but yeah, Kinky Friedman definitely was the one that cracked me up a long time ago. Hell, even Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I think
1: he wanted to run for governor at one point in Texas, didn't he? A lot I love people talked see. about him. Yeah, I would have loved Matthew McConaughey as the governor. He's like the Texas equivalent of the Rock in California. <laughs> oh,
2: for sure. And use some days confused line while we're at it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, ah, 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 ah.
0: All right, so who's the most popular politician in Dallas right now? Is it the mayor? Is it the governor? Who would you say people are? Most impressed with right now?
2: He doesn't. Oh, I would say Governor Abbott. People are more impressed. We were shut down for a while during COVID, and I think Governor Abbott tried to fight for that, trying to fight for restaurants to be open. Who was the district attorney?
1: Clay Jenkins.
2: He was the one that was trying to shut down Dallas more. But Governor Abbott was trying to give us avenues to actually stay open, having to go food, having to go cocktails, having to just keep things going. I mean, even guy Fury, even guy Fury himself started a movement for restaurants and try to keep them open and done a fundraiser throughout the same time during COVID. And like I said, I also love the comment that in a Dallas Cowboy game, whenever Maherd missed the field, goals, Governor out made the great line. He's like, I can kick better than that guy. It's just lines <laughs> like that that actually I think connects him to more of the, the real people, the blue-collar people that he's working for. Well, he certainly cruised to re-election without
0: any trouble. <laughs>
1: so in your bar, Joe, it's a sports bar. I heard it was voted Best Karaoke in Dallas.
0: Voted Best Karaoke.
2: Dallas morning yeah yes.
1: so people are there to have a good time obviously do they bring in political issues or conversation or how do you as a bartender handle that
2: we try to take the divide out it's an inclusive bar I think my meaning of life and bartending is to connect and once you find that people that just come in for karaoke that's to connect to begin with they all want to sing and have a good time so we put on a show We've been doing this going on five years now, and since we've won, not only people are trying to figure out what's it about, but once they come in, they become part of the group and they get to figure out, uh, I like this person. This person knows somebody from my hometown. And then the group just gets bigger and it just becomes a bigger family. In that light, we give them kind of an escapism. You don't want to bring the outside world and perspective into a very positive environment which we've created. And so people like to do that. Sometimes they just get escaped for three hours and enjoy the ambiance we created here at Harwood Tavern. We like that. I mean, that is the number one reason people come back. They just want to feel at home for three hours and escape anything they're left behind. And I think politics sometimes takes that away and presents a divide.
0: So you do karaoke every Friday. What is the song you hear most at
2: karaoke? That is a good one. We hear Garth Brooks. Uh, is it
1: Friends in Low Places? Yes,
2: the number one song. And then, uh, you know, you hear the rap songs, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. And then one of our bartenders does the Moana theme song. So we get that probably every Friday. But yeah, the Moana theme song, uh, Stephanie does as many times as I can remember.
0: True story. I once sang Bohemian Rhapsody at karaoke. I don't know how many cocktails I had had, but
2: yeah, that happened. My DJ host has a sign for a no Bohemian Rhapsody. You that the buy him a shot or really take care of him in a tip jar for him allow you to do Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: So. That sign went up immediately after David's performance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it probably
1: did.
0: As I recall, I had a lot of liquid courage and it sounded pretty darn good that night. Okay, so Joe, we asked you to do a couple of other specialty cocktails and, you know, we like to make it kind of localize a little bit. So just for
2: fun, first, the Beto O'Rourke. The Beto O'Rourke, I actually, uh, I took a panel with my staff and we went with the Black Manhattan. That's actually Averna, which is an Amoro. It's, uh, it's in the Anish family. So instead of using just regular whiskey, I did Maker's Mark, Averna, Bitters, and Sweet Vermouth. And the reason why, he decided that it was served as a symbol. It's classy. It's upbringing to show his money and deep black color as well to give you attention on his ban on guns. Sambuca is also flammable. We're going to use that as well as for gunpowder. So this <laughs> is the Beto Rourke. It's actually a classic cocktail. It's a twist on the classic Manhattan, and it's got a little bite to it. You got like more of the licorice flavor, which is the uh, Amaro and the Averna. i probably drink that.
1: I'm newly loyal to Manhattan's over old fashions. The sweet vermouth is excellent.
2: Yeah, and we use a really good uh, vermouth it's called Punta y Mes. And instead of using the Martini Rossi, we actually use that, which gives it a nice finish. And we actually like to use the Lazzaro like, Cherry, delish.
0: We don't um, talk about vermouth enough on this podcast, Miranda. we got to get more vermouth recipes in. Do
2: you remember Groundhog Day, which she actually uh, said the quote to when she, Bill Murray's trying to memorize everything she drinks? She drinks sweet vermouth and says a prayer for world peace.
0: <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> love I it. love that movie. That's the so Bill movie.
1: Murray. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, here's the other one. We did, we got the Beto. Actually sounds pretty good. Now, <laughs> Ted Cruz. Uh, uh, this is
2: Malibu mango humex on the rocks with lime uh, White Claw. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you know about the White Claw.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of the White Claw. Please explain.
2: Uh, well, they threw a White Claw at him one time at his head in a rally, and the Malibu and Mango is the Mexican tourist, and you shoot this drink really quickly with two straws as opposed to him getting out of the United States to go to Mexico on vacation very quickly during COVID.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Actually, it doesn't sound terrible. I don't know, Miranda. I could get in a mood for that on a Sunday afternoon when it's real hot and you've been mowing the yard. Yeah.
1: As long as that, like, fakey, chemically white claw taste is buried by the rum, I think we're safe.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you you should. If you wanted to bury more, just get some Sailor Jerry instead of Malibu and knock your stuff back. (laughs)
1: Get you to Mexico. I haven't
2: had
0: Sailor Jerry in years. That's awesome. Okay, well, listen, Joe, it's been a pleasure. Much success to you at uh, Harwood Tavern. Thanks for joining us. Miranda, we got anything else to take us out?
1: Oh, just thank you so much, Joe. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't have been allowed to stand behind the hostess stand. (laughs) because. Lord knows I didn't know what I was doing. So thank you for helping me through that. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. This
2: was fun. So yeah, if you guys need anything, just let me know and stop by Harwood Tavern every time you're in downtown Dallas. Hey, listen,
0: next time I'm in Dallas, uh, it's been a little bit though. I'll have to come down and watch the 49ers play uh, with my college quarterback, Brock Purdy, you know. Uh, You can come meet my friend Jeremy. He's
2: the only Niners fan of the bar.
1: As long as you don't sing Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: I won't, I promise. <laughs> uh, a ban. You guys have a great day. You too. We'll talk soon. So, Miranda, thanks for
0: joining me at the co host. Table here. That's an interesting bar. Of course, you know, I think every episode we're going to find an interesting place. Every place in this country has, you know, neighborhood bars like that. Sounds like a very diverse crowd. Sounds like he's pulling people from all over the country into that place. And, you know, even though Texas is a very red state, you know, Republican statewide elected officials, you know, they vote for Republican candidate for president every four years. You know, that's driven, I think, a lot by the rural population, the smaller towns. And so we look at these big cities in a place like Texas, and they're a lot more blue. And you could tell that by the kind of patrons he's got coming in, but also just sort of a non-traditional take on politics from Joe and his guests.
1: Yeah. When asked who would win a presidential election, Joe pointed to Kinky Friedman and Matthew McConaughey, these non-politicians. It seems like people just want someone who is young and exciting. They don't necessarily care about experience. They just want to see some fresh blood in the White House.
0: Yeah. And that kind of explains Trump a little bit, kind of that outsider status. People were attracted to the fact that he was a you know celebrity and successful businessman, that sort of thing. So I think a lot of times just people's general dissatisfaction with politics means they're going to look at people who are different, shake it up. You know, let's not stick with the same old, same old, because we don't really like, you know, who's in office right now. So a lot of that flavor came through.
1: Speaking of flavor, the cocktails were simply amazing. The Beto O'Rourke and the Ted Cruz. And hey, no judgment if you want to try a Ted Cruz after this. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I might do it, and I might actually drink it while listening to my other favorite podcast, Hacks on Tap, where I was the special guest this week. So if you haven't listened to Hacks on Tap this week, please look that up on your favorite podcast podcasting service. And uh, you'll hear me talk about all things politics and particularly about my home state of Iowa.
1: That's awesome. Can't wait to listen.
0: All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for giving Highball Politics a shot, pun intended.
1: Please join Rob and David next week as they pull up a bar stool in another politically and culturally important state, interview a bartender there and find out what the locals are drinking and saying. Until then, cheers, David.
0: Cheers, Miranda.
1: Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kochel and Rob Stutzman. Our producer is me, Miranda Kathleen Parham.
0: Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com.
1: You can find us on social media. We are at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
0: And remember to tag your pictures of this week's signature cocktail with the hashtag Highball Podcast.
1: If you want to support our show, and why wouldn't you, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with your friends.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.